Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about the newest smartphones and an ancient Blackberry. Pixel 5 and Pixel 4a 5G share the same front and rear camera system. Starting with the hardware, we've put a new ultra-wide lens on the back, and HDR Plus has received a serious upgrade, like exposure bracketing, to help you take even clearer, sharper photos. The new ultra-wide lens on the back lets you capture more of the scene in both your photos and videos. So we've added night sight to our portrait mode. For those evening strolls or backyard s'mores, this combination allows the subject in the foreground to stand out even in low light. Night mode on iPhone 12 gets even better. The faster aperture captures more light. And now we are expanding night mode to all cameras of iPhone 12 for the first time on the ultra wide and front true depth camera, which is perfect for night mode selfies. Which new phone takes better night photos, Google's Pixel 5 or Apple's iPhone 12? InputMag.com Senior Reviews Editor Ray Wong recently put them to a head-to-head test. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. But how good are the cameras, especially when it comes to low-light and night photography? On paper, the Pixel 5's main camera is the same exact sensor used in the Pixel 2, a three-year-old phone. Can Google's software really keep up with newer phones like the iPhone 12, which has a newer image sensor with larger f1.6 aperture to let in more light and a faster and more powerful A14 Bionic chip to process images better and quicker? Welcome back to the show, Ray. Good to be back, Mark. So what's the answer to the question you just asked? Well, you know, the answer is the Pixel just cannot keep up. It comes very close. There are a few things that I don't like about the Pixel 5 that, you know, really keep it from being as fantastic of a camera as the iPhone 12 or other newer devices out there. Really, it comes down to the processing speed. The Pixel 5 comes with a mid-range chip, which is slower than, say, a flagship chip inside of the more premium Android phones, the more luxurious Android phones. Those come with a Snapdragon 865 chip that is like kind of the Qualcomm's best chip. And even Qualcomm's best chips are not as good as Apple's custom silicon. And when you combine a slower mid-range chip with a older image processor, you're getting not only slower processing, but also just weaker image quality. So I think if you're just posting photos to Instagram or Twitter, the details may not matter, but if you want to print your photos or you really care about photography in terms of like the pixels themselves, the image quality, the sharpness, uh, the details, then the iPhone 12 just beats it flat out. So you actually went out one night and took pictures, presumably on the streets of Queens where you live, I'm, I'm guessing. Tell me how the photos that you took that evening compare to each other. Yeah, I mean, I went out pretty late at night just to get some photos. You know, it's dark. It's great right now because there aren't, aren't many people out on the streets at night. And I did basically side-by-side comparisons. I held the phones and shot them handheld, no tripods, no special, you know, accessories or tools or anything like that you know exactly the way a regular person would go out and shoot their photos at night and uh, you know some of the things surprised me the portrait mode on the iphone 12 is significantly better than the pixel 5 to me the pixel 5's portrait mode photos are just like very stiff they look like cutouts you can see that it 
does a better job of, you know, cutting out your subject from the background, but it looks very much like, you know, the Gaussian blur on Photoshop, whereas the iPhone portrait mode photos really look more like natural. If you've ever seen like a real portrait lens shoot a portrait of a model, you'll see that the edges are not quite as like, you know, perfect. There is like gradual fade or blur from the sharpness of the eyes to the background. And I think it just looks more realistic. And, you know, a lot of that is Apple trying to model and using machine learning to model the lens and the look of the photo after a realistic traditional camera. So as you know, in the article, the Pixel is renowned for its camera, but it seems that Google has lost a step or two with this phone. What can they do to regain their stature as having the best camera? They really have to go high end, you know, to have the best camera system, you really need the hardware and the software to be like tuned at a very high level. Apple does that for all of the new iPhone 12s. It did it for all of the iPhone 11s. It does it for all of its devices. That's why even a phone as affordable as the iPhone SE has a fantastic camera because the hardware and software are working in tandem, right? And these aren't like old parts. These are new parts, new processing. So you're getting the speed and performance. You don't want to sit there, you know, when you're taking night photos, sit there, hold steady for a couple seconds. Your hands are like, you know, shaking a little bit. And then when you take a look at your photo, it's like maybe a little blurry. It didn't come out. Maybe the moment's gone already. With iPhone, you know, it just happens like that in the blink of an eye. You barely see it. And that really speaks a lot to Apple's ability to marry the hardware and software together. So I think for Pixel 5 to really regain its crown, it really needs to go high end. I just don't see it happening because, you know, Google's strategy this year seems to be, hey, we want to sell more affordable phones. And the Pixel 5 is, you know, $700 compared to, say, an iPhone 12, which is, uh, I believe, $800, an iPhone 12 Pro, which starts at $1,000. So, you know, you're saving a lot of money, but you're also getting a slightly, I guess, muted experience. For some people, that may not matter, you know, but in the long run, I think when you get, you know, new software updates, you're going to start to see the Pixel 5 slow down. And I've seen it in, you know, the Pixel 4, Pixel 3, Pixel 2. And that's where Apple just really excels. You add new software updates, but the camera remains super fast, top notch, and just the quality is unbeatable right now. You can follow Ray on Twitter at Ray Wangi. Now on to today's second story. We heard you loud and clear. You wanted more performance merged with the BlackBerry features that have always kept you productive. Introducing the new BlackBerry Classic with more power and control than ever before. Forget the iPhone 12. The hottest phone of 2020 is the BlackBerry Classic. It was made in 2014, doesn't have many working apps, and it totally rules, according to InputMag.com Editor-in-Chief Joshua Topolsky. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece in praise of the BlackBerry Classic. The BlackBerry Classic really is the perfect phone for this moment, precisely because it doesn't do much, and it doesn't do anything fast. I can't multitask or open a Google Doc or game online with anyone, and it's a blessed break from the utter insanity of my days. When I can't load a page, I just move on. I don't feel compelled to know what everyone is doing or thinking. I don't think I've ever seen a photo of the president on my BlackBerry. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Thank you for having me. 
So recently you picked up your BlackBerry Classic for the first time in a number of years, put a SIM card in it. And what prompted you to do that? <laughs> I think what prompted me was boredom. There's not enough stuff going on in the world right now for you? No, there's enough stuff going on. It's just I don't want to see any of it. So, you know, I have a drawer full of phones that I've reviewed or that I've purchased and then discarded because I'm a very sick man. And the classic sitting there. And I do, you know, every once in a while I'll go back and I'll just like click on the keyboard and I'm like, oh, this is so nice. I don't know why. I love real mechanical keyboards. I have a real nostalgia for those phones that used to have physical keyboards. And so I thought, well, I'll just play around with it. And then it's always fun to see what works and what doesn't. And then I thought, well, you know what? I have these Sims that I bought up uh, these, you know, track phone. They sell these like packages you can buy in a store of Sims. And if you ever, I actually took them with me to CES this year because you never know when you're going to need a second phone or your network isn't working and you want to turn one on. Anyhow, so I threw it in there and I started using it, especially at the end of the day, I'd put my iPhone down or step away from my computer and I'd get the BlackBerry out. And that would sort of be what I was looking at when I was, you know, sitting in front of the TV or, or sort of just like doing nothing. And I found that, you know, it's a very liberating experience. Well, what was liberating about it? You know, one, it's, I mentioned this, it's slow. It, it's not, nothing happens quickly. I mean, I love a fast computer or a fast phone, but you kind of, when you start to wait for things, there are things that you decide aren't worth the wait, you know, particularly the way it loads web pages. I mean, if you try to load a modern web page on the BlackBerry Classic, and the phone is from, I think, 2014 or something. If you try to load a modern page, it's, it takes a very long time. By the time the page is loaded, you're like, you don't even care anymore. So reading news is kind of, unless you really want to do it and you find some simplistic feed reader or whatever, it's really not that great. It runs some Android apps because it has a, an OS that supports Android, but it isn't Android. It's their own BlackBerry OS. It runs Android apps very slowly. The only one that I really can use is Spotify, which is great. And even Spotify takes ages just to like start playing a song. And so it's the, I think the slowness of it, but also that it's not a notification machine. It has this kind of view where you can see all of your emails or your text messages or your, you know, tweets. If you put Twitter in there, although that doesn't work anymore, it's called the BlackBerry hub. And that's great. You can kind of look at everything. What I spend a lot of time doing is reading and deleting political emails that I get asking for donations. But I also think that because of the way the BlackBerry works, it which forces me to read those emails or at least see them, I actually think I probably ended up doing more political donations because of the classic. So it's just a different pace. You're at a different gear, you know, a lower gear. So is this something you'd recommend for others? Absolutely not. No, I wouldn't recommend this for anyone. I mean, if you want to become BlackBerry messenger buddies with me, which apparently is still a thing that can be done, yes, I recommend it. And then we can be BBM friends. I don't think for regular people who need to go about their normal lives, the BlackBerry Classic experience will be satisfying. But I think there probably is a type of personality, a person who is very online and feels overwhelmed by being very online who might consider either the BlackBerry Classic or something like it, which is just literally removing the possibility that you will feel or be very online when it comes to your phone. You can follow Joshua on Twitter at Joshua Topolsky, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. 
you can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening. 